The Present by Stefan Molyneux Chapter 26 Rachel felt her weeks of inactivity almost immediately. Her legs trembled from adrenaline and the fear of fatigue. She thought of the thousands of hours she had spent at the gym, posing, taking selfies, trotting with tight pants on the endless treadmill. On her first date with Arlo, they had taken an Ashtanga yoga class together. He was daringly shirtless and chatted with a few girls after the class, inviting them deep into his blue, mirrored eyes. After the class, he was going to a movie with some friends and invited her along, but reminded her to change quickly because he was running late. For some reason, Rachel had resisted this request, though agreeing to it in the moment. She had lingered in the shower, worked hard to touch up her hair, popped a mild pimple on the back of her neck, and waited for her slight sheen of sweat to evaporate into nothing before heading out to the gym lobby to meet him. Arlo had looked at her quizzically. It's really late. What happened? Rachel's brain excuse machine ran through many options in a blazing moment, as it always did. We can't say we lost track of time. That equals ditzy and disorganized. We can't say that the showers were full. He might have counted the girls coming out. We can't say we got a call. Wait. Why not? It makes him look low status. Ah, but that will make him more hungry for us. What if it's just annoying? Then he's too prone to bad temper, like Ian and Dad, so forget him. What if he asks for details? Then he's too suspicious. I'm so sorry. I got a call when I was just out of the shower. Really important. Have we missed the movie? Arlo shrugged. Everything's endless previews these days. We probably won't miss much. Somehow his indifference to her machinations and manipulations released Rachel from her own complexity. She began to really fall for him in that moment. Our relationship started with a lie and ended with a body bag. Rachel had been largely shielded from the darkness of the world by artificial light. Men's lights, she now constantly thought. And now, creeping up the midnight street, afraid to turn on her cell phone flashlight, she realized how far she had kept nature from her bronzed and botoxed heart. As a kid, (laughs) like all kids in the cold, She had enjoyed hot breathing into the bright sun of a streetlight, pretending to be a dragon or a smoker. Everything she looked at afterwards was eclipsed by the dying ghost of the yellow light. But now I see no breath, except for a slight halo around the slivered moon. Rachel scratched at the back of her head, annoyed by the itchy toque. Wait, was that... Parking? In the candlelit bathroom, at the end of her preparations, she had leaned toward the mirror and touched her own amber face. Every movement caused the thin light to flicker. 
My beauty is now a danger. Her father had told her when she was 15 that 99 out of 100 guys are thoughtful, respectful, and decent. It's that one guy in 100 you got to watch out for, kiddo. 99 people will find your wallet and return it, or at least try. But that one guy, that one guy, he'll just steal your life. He wagged his finger. That guy won't take no for an answer. You're really pretty, Rage, but don't have too many boyfriends. Because everyone you date is like a countdown to that one guy. You gotta stop before he shows up. Rachel had really wanted to ask her father how he knew about that one guy. His speech had a strange pressure behind it. Was my dad ever that one guy? In the dark, on the road, Rachel almost laughed. But he knew one for sure. Then the thought came, If I am eaten in the wilderness and my father dies in the house behind me, that conversation will utterly vanish from the world forever. Rachel had a mad impulse to pull her notebook out and write down her father's words, but just shivered and kept on walking, her steps slowed by the dangerous dark. She had once watched a cheesy Batman movie with her father, and when the line came, some men just want to watch the world burn, her father had muttered, one guy in a hundred, always trying to take over. And she remembered his stories of his boss at work, Mm, the screamer, what was his name, Randy? And then she remembered the night that she had thanked her father for all his life's labor and sniffed loudly against her will. The moon was a third sideways eyeless grin in the night sky. For some reason, another childhood memory erupted. Oh, and she was very, very young and looked at the moon and believed that all the charcoal shading on its surface was actually the continents where people lived, like the ones she had seen on a shiny globe. People live in the sky, and I live on the underside of an unknown surface, just gazing up at them. Rachel had shivered as a child, sensing her unbelievable distance from the mass and the mess of all the world's souls. Stepping lightly on the black sidewalk, Rachel saw occasional flickers of candlelight between the vertical lines of tightly pulled curtains. Faint howls rose in the middle distance. People have closed their curtains because they are afraid of the street, 
she thought, and her heart suddenly pounded at the image of a predatory phalanx of one in a hundred guys circling her, vaulting silently over the peeling wooden fences between the untended winter gardens. This is me in the world without protection. Then, have I felt this my whole life deep down? Once, when she and Arlo had ironically watched a trashy Woman in Peril movie, the usual tall, dark, and haughty man was chasing his prey through an empty mall, Arlo had murmured something, and Rachel now realized in the dark that it was an invitation to something real, something deeper. But she had completely let it pass by, as she always did. He said, A friend of my dad's once told me how to understand you all. <laughs> Imagine you're half your size, running through life carrying a treasure that every man wants and might kill you for. Arlo had chuckled, sitting with the cheddar popcorn on his lap, which he never touched. Rachel always wanted to remind him to eat but remembered some stupid video about how a girlfriend should never turn into a mother. It was a real crack in their towering facade of vanity, a chance to talk about what was real in the world, in life. And then Rachel remembered her father saying that it was every little choice to turn away from depth that produced the ruin of the modern world. If we don't talk about anything, we quickly become nothing at all. <sighs> but they did talk back then in those dead and distant days. They talked about which of their friends were actually mediocre dancers. They hated on the unvaccinated. They laughed at those who had gained weight or whose skin had begun to sag or who dated too much or who too obviously chased clicks on social media or who wasted all their money on Starbucks while constantly claiming they wanted to start an online life coaching business. They rarely mocked those who had graduated to marriage and children except to replay, often in their minds, that old cynical mantra from Kramer on Seinfeld about the emptiness and waste of family life. How was your day? No, how was your day? We are superior because we stay interesting and attractive. Once, Rachel had been utterly horrified after the one, two, three punch of Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, to be in possession of a belly so distended that she looked almost pregnant. Her feelings followed in a one, two, three punch as well. One, oh my God, that's horrifying. Two, it would be lovely to be pregnant. Three, I'm going to kill Arlo for not telling me. Why he had let her gain weight was a question that had bothered Rachel for weeks. Didn't he care about her? 
She had unlocked his phone and scrolled through his posts. <gasps> Realizing that for the past few weeks, she had been absent from his endless photos. Night after night, she had stared at him as he shouted commands during incomprehensible shooting games or did his endless girly leg lifts while she recorded white ring makeup tutorials, her hands forcing focus by almost touching the camera. He never told me to drop the camera and start writing. <sighs> and now, Harlow's long-lost motives would never see the light of day, as neither would his mirrored blue eyes closed forever by her manipulations and demands that he prove himself to her by rescuing her useless aunt. I could be tracked by my trail of tears, thought Rachel, forging forward in the darkness. Years ago, when data was expensive, Arlo had insisted that she download maps to her phone when she was on Wi-Fi. Oh, Rachel had loved complaining about her cell phone bill online, though, because it made her seem very, very important. She would blur out the details, LOLing at the total. She knew what it showed, that her presence online had great value, that she was in big demand at all hours that she could afford to laugh at such ridiculously high figures, that she was pretty enough to have a man pay her bills, that she had such control in the relationship that all he could do was complain. <sighs> Rachel sighed wearily, leaning against a crooked corner stop sign. Ah, the old days and years of complaining about boyfriends. It was all vanity, stupid, narcissistic need to show how desirable we were by how much our men had to put up with. Will I ever become pregnant? Aunt Crystal's demanding, querulous face rose in her mind. She thought of the old Mike Tyson quote, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Everyone has a plan until civilization collapses. Everyone is so independent, so in control, so in command... We can scorn, mock, consume the world in endless greed. We don't need to build any foundations, any community, any honest relationships, any families. We don't need to share any values, pursue anything higher, subjugate our will to anything deeper. The only meaning is the moment. When the moment passes and the meaning evaporates. Rachel had never been a violent person, but she wanted to reach back with endless arms and shake the girl 
she had been. I am doomed because of your mistakes. In this moment, leaning against the cold, hold metal column, Rachel thanked the blind stars above that everything had crumbled. The world falling apart has put me back together. She scurried across the empty intersection to the dim gas station on the far corner. The windows were broken. The pumps smashed in obvious frustration. Two hollowed-out cars lay abandoned beside them. No gas, so there was no point coming out to get some for Mom and Dad's car. Of course, she had started up that car, but it was out of gas. It had all been siphoned and stolen by thieves in the night. Rachel walked forward, picking gingerly over the broken glass. Why smash it, she thought. Maybe the door to get in, but why everything else? The broken store was like a shrine to the endless temper tantrums of entitlement. The inside had been picked completely clean. One fluorescent light flickered incomprehensibly in a back corner. The Slim Jims, the fruit, the not-quite-hot dogs on the greasy rollers all were gone. The drink cabinets were empty, the cracked doors hanging at crazy angles. Now is the time in the movie when someone calls out from the rubble, from the toilet perhaps, and I gain a wise-cracking companion on my dangerous journey. Silence. Rachel lifted the side of the countertop to get behind it. The cash register was also smashed. The cigarettes, gone, of course, probably circulating as some kind of currency. She tried to remember the last time she had seen one of the coil-bound yellow map books. She remembered Arlo lifting one up years ago, asking if she had written it. Me, a map book, she laughed. (laughs) What on earth? He had put on an outrageous southern accent. Because it's pretty and you're pretty. Rachel had rolled her eyes. She always pretended that Arlo was never funny, only cheesy, cringe. Secretly, she knew that she did this so that he would remain unaware of his own value and thus more under her control. Afraid to use her full phone flashlight, Rachel turned off her screen dimmer and used the slight light to hunt around in the mysterious cabinets under the front counter. Garbage can, some replacement rolls of paper for the cash register, pens and receipts. Rachel had no idea why she thought she might find an actual map book down there. They had vanished from stores years ago. But she was... Desperate, and thus addicted to made-up activities. At first, she thought she was just hungry. The hairs on the back of her neck knew better. 
Rachel heard a slight snorting and a dripping, breathy panting. Rising, slowly her eyes straining in the darkness, Rachel's thumping chest seemed at war with her lack of breath, like her heart was punching at the walls of her lungs to get out. Hands shaking, she fumbled to turn on her cell phone's full flashlight. For a single split second of silence, she saw the ring of dogs around her. Their eyes gleamed back like malevolent stars set above bared saliva teeth. As one, barking and growling in massive flurries of motion, exploded ahead of her. Screaming, Rachel turned and clawed at the shelves behind her. She felt the heavy, hot bodies of the dogs slamming into her legs, jaws snapping. Still screaming, she kicked wildly at the beasts, grabbing at the topmost shelf on the wall. Her fingertips skidded on the papers and folders which rained down around her. Rachel fell backwards, dropping her phone, which turned wildly, illuminating the scene like a deranged rabbit disco. Rachel landed on the back of a large dog, which twisted underneath her, snapping at her ear, its breath foul. Rachel's phone landed face down, plunging the room into darkness. Dogs bit and scrabbled at it, and it turned over, casting their mad, boiling shadows onto the white ceiling tiles. More dogs leapt at Rachel, some jumping from the counter above. In a frenzy, Rachel grabbed at the open drawer of the cash register, pulling it down upon the squirming mass of predation and prey. The crash summoned more barking, more dogs, more lunging bodies. Rachel struggled to her feet, screaming again as a large dog's teeth crunched into her sneaker. More teeth ripped at her back, and she twisted her shoulders violently, pulling off her backpack, which was immediately torn away. Abandoning her cell phone and kicking wildly, Rachel lost her shoe, but was able to grab the top shelf and haul herself up. She twisted violently from side to side, somehow preventing the dogs crashing into her back from getting any bites in. She was able to swing her leg up to the top shelf of the cabinet. There was a moment as the dogs below reassessed the situation. A few of them leapt at her but were unable to gain enough height even from the countertop. Hands shaking, Rachel pushed hard at the soft white ceiling tiles, lifting them up from the metal strips separating them. Her heart hammering painfully, Rachel climbed up above the ceiling. There was a wider, more solid beam between the metal strips. Rachel coughed from the dust. Looking down, half blinded by her upward-staring cell phone light, she saw the maddened dogs swarming all over the convenience store floor, the counters, the remnants of the shelves, biting everything, including each other. Doggos, she thought strangely. That's what my friends used to call them on social media. Dog-hose. She remembered a meme, a wolf saying, Those creatures over there have fire and wood. What could go wrong? And the next picture was of a pug who couldn't breathe, dressed in a bonnet. It's true, we do nickname God's creatures. Shaking her head, Rachel lay tentatively on the wider beam, spreading her hands on the thinner metal strips to either side. She tried to will her body to relax slightly 
as the dogs howled and bit and rampaged below, maddened by a prey they could not reach. Good thing they're not bears, she thought, stifling a manic inner giggle. I might still still have to face those. Will they get bored and wander off? Rachel ground her teeth. Damn it, why don't I know anything about this stuff? For some reason, she suddenly remembered the waiter at the restaurant months ago, where she had met Cassie and Ian and Ben had shown up. Meat shortages of, was it fish? I wouldn't give him the time of day then, but I would happily bear his child now if he would show up and save me. But that waiter would have vanished into the general Niagara flow of people over the edge of death. (laughs) Look at me! Life without men! Who needs them? Rachel suddenly thought of all the mothers in England and Europe, whose children, mostly girls, had been captured and assaulted by immigrants. None of them had turned into crime-fighting superheroes rescuing their trafficked offspring. They barely even complained on social media, afraid of political incorrectness. Rachel shook her head violently. (sighs) I don't have anything up here. Food or water. If it's a question of who can wait out whom, I'm I'm on the loose again. They can go and get water, come back and wait. I'm stuck on this weird metal spider web. (sighs) If this was a movie, my savior would arrive just as I was about to die. (laughs) Like my dad's belief in Jesus. (sighs) But it's not a movie, see? A metal corner was digging painfully into her pubic bone, but Rachel was too terrified to shift her weight. I fall, I die. Her backpack had been torn apart, her food scattered and eaten. After a while, the dogs began to settle down. They sat slowly in concentric rings exactly below where she hung in the air. The light of her cell phone lit up their wet noses and bright eyes like a choir of unholy, hungry trinities. Rachel closed her eyes, then opened them again, petrified of becoming dizzy. If I had a gun, would I use it on myself? If I get eaten, will I die quickly? Why didn't my parents have any weapons? Well, if she had a kitchen knife, nice and long and serrated, but it had been scattered somewhere below when the dogs disassembled her backpack. What the hell am I going to do? They're just waiting for me to fall. Perhaps I can crawl to some other exit, uh, event or something. And then what? Let's say I I can somehow make it out of this building. It's cold out there. I have no food and water, only one shoe, and no cell phone, no, no source of light. Those goddamn dogs might even prefer that. How do you get rid of dogs? 
bear spray? As a little girl, Rachel had once seen a man kick a dog that was trying to bite him. In her youthful sentimentality, she had sided with the dog in her heart. Hell, I'd give him a child if he were here now. Stupid nature documentaries don't prepare us for anything. They just show us cute animals that tell us our parents are killing them all by idling the SUV on cold mornings. Maybe it would have been slightly more helpful to teach us how to disperse a pack of wild dogs. Rachel felt a sudden body chill as she remembered a meme that Ian once shared with her. You are the carbon they want to reduce. Just someone else I owe an apology to, I guess, that I will never get to deliver. She felt as if her body were in motion, flowing forward inexorably, as if on a swift river to a boiling waterfall ahead. The waterfall of death, of course, flowing to join all the other billion nameless bodies of this universal catastrophe. The great unnamed, to be dug up in a million years, when we have all turned into useful oil, to be pumped through the veins of incomprehensible machines, automating the visions of a few brilliant leaders in one-piece silver suit. Rachel jerked her head up, shocked that she was about to fall asleep. If I could dream my way through dying, I would, right now, I promise. I must be on the crashing side of the adrenaline dump. Her panicking mind raced. Can I lure one dog up here, kill it, and then feed it to the others? But, But how? There was a safe under the counter, but I can't open it. Maybe it has a gun, but it doesn't matter. What if they leave when, when daylight comes? Oh, don't be ridiculous. They're dogs, not vampires. But I will have better sight. I have to get to the roof. I'll be able to see at daybreak what my options are. Maybe, maybe there's a giant tree branch I can c- climb along to get to a, f- a fenced-in backyard someplace safe. Well, one thing for sure, I, I damn well can't stay here. Gingerly, Rachel lifted her left leg. The metal beam she'd lay on was about six inches wide, wobbly, but not impossibly thin. A scatter of growls raced through the throats of the dogs below. They could hear her movement or or sense it somehow. She lifted her right arm to balance her weight on the thinner beam. She was able to inch forward slowly. Her cell phone's flashlight pushed enough brightness through the ceiling tiles that she was able to see that the wider beam went straight across the whole store, radiating from left and right the smaller beams that seemed unlikely to support her weight. Fortunately, the fluorescent light structures were screwed into the thinner beams and so did not block her path. Rachel moved slowly forward, knowing that she would have one hell of a set of bruises if she were lucky enough to ever see the sun again. As she crawled, she dislodged some of the ceiling tiles and they dropped to the barking, snapping pack below. 
Occasionally, a dog, maddened by hunger, would scramble to the top of the slippery, empty shelves and leap at Rachel. She would pull all her limbs as high as possible, hoping that the beast's jaws were not large enough to clamp onto her around the metal beams. She imagined the dog's hanging weight pulling her down, her blood coursing down its thick fur. This is hell, thought Rachel. Inch by maddening inch, she eventually made it to the center of the store. As long as I keep moving, the dogs will stay here, but I can't stay still. It's too painful. Either her eyes were adjusting or faint glimmers of dawn were growing outside. Rachel blinked hard several times. Yes, she could see the faint grey light that always used to depress her when she was before, whenever, coming in through the shattered front windows. Rachel felt out of energy. She groped around behind her, upwards as far as her shoulders could accommodate. She felt more metal beams rising in angles to the roof's peaks somewhere above her. They were thinner than the six-inch one she was resting on. What the hell am I supposed to do? She suddenly remembered the countless video games that Arlo had thrown aside in frustration, unable to solve their puzzles and unwilling to look them up online. Man, it's supposed to be at least fair, he would cry out, as if his own looks and athleticism were right in the middle of the egalitarian bell curve. Rachel felt a wild, petty rage churning at her innards. It wasn't fair, everything that had happened, everything that had fallen apart. She felt unbelievably isolated, alone in the universe, the last human soul about to become a manic dying meal for dogs. Some of these have to be neighborhood dogs. I should have been nicer. I should have befriended them. Maybe one of them would save me. The slowly growing light did little to pierce the gloom of Rachel's position. She could not see more than two feet ahead. She was too terrified to try turning over. Her bulk would surely shift to one of the thinner beams, likely breaking it and dropping her to her death. Maybe if I keep crawling, I, I could find the bathroom or a, or a storage room or a supply room or something on the other side of this wall. A wave of bottomless sorrow slammed into Rachel and she gasped, her eyes erupting in tears. Shut up! Stop it! Grow up! She screamed at herself in panic. Her body felt as if it were preparing itself for death, releasing all the emotions held in reserve for the rest of her life in one supernova of insane passion, like a man on his deathbed finally confessing his life's longing. To hell with fairness, just live! Gritting her teeth, Rachel willed her arms and legs to move. As the blood returned to her extremities, Rachel bit her tongue to stop from crying out. The dogs below began 
barking madly, growling and screaming. Forward. Forward. Inch by inch. Her bladder felt about to burst. Her mind began to chant. Get bored, get bored, get bored. No meal for you here, you sons of bitches! Rachel almost laughed at the accuracy of her mental curse. The dogs stalked her progress on their trembling legs. When she got to the far wall, there was nothing. She groped ahead, feeling only a gritty, blank wall. No opening, no vent, no access to another room. Dead end. No relief from pain, no exit, only regret. Why didn't I just throw myself at him? I could be with him now, safe in his embrace, carrying his child while he holds back the world. What the hell was I saving myself for? Why did I waste time with that now-dead man-boy? Because the world hypnotizes you, my dear, distracting you from your mortality until you die inside. Who the hell is in charge that it gets so bad that I die in a dirty corner pulled apart by bats. Well, at least I'm not being eaten alive by cats in my old age, thought Rachel with a deeply bitter inner laugh. She closed her eyes. How am I going to face the end? That most final of questions arose from her thudding heart. I can't face it well, because the end is so terrible. When she used to occasionally think of death, Rachel had imagined a slow morphine fade-out in a comfortable hospital bed, dispensing courage and wisdom and speaking of the satisfactions of a long life well lived. She was surrounded by, well, people, of course. She wasn't sure precisely who. Not her children, exactly, but smiling faces who really cared about her. For some reason, she never really tried to fathom. Who are you without sex? A piece of meat. Food for dogs, then food for worms. Rachel ground her teeth in frustration. What is the point of wisdom that comes too late? Torture, nothing but torture. Rachel supposed that new clouds must be shielding the rising sun, for the light began to dim again. 
As if fed by the growing darkness, the dogs began to leap back and forth. The anticipation of fresh meat, not so fresh, I'm actually 28, causing swaying icicles of saliva to fall from their jaws. They began to growl again, but it was different, joyful, eager. Death is better than pain, was Rachel's last thought as she let go and fell. The eruption of howls and growls and barks startled Rachel awake. Her hips were in agony. She had peed herself. The light was bright below. Looking down from her beam, she saw clustered paw prints scattered through layers of feces and urine. The dogs had disappeared. She saw a last slow poodle or something scrambling over the low window pane at the front of the store. She rejoiced, hoping it was cutting itself to death on the broken glass. God, now run, you idiot! Having no idea of her salvation, Rachel yanked her legs to one side, gripped the six-inch beam, gasping as the blood fell into her feet again, and hung down. I really, really hope that they are gone, because there's no way I could get myself back up again. She hesitated before letting go, remembering as a girl when she had dropped from a tree branch and her heavy feet felt like they were about to explode. She also remembered as a new teen, watching a boy swinging over a shallow rocky stream, hanging from a giant rope which was tied to the underside of a railway bridge. She had felt hot pleasure, knowing that he was risking serious harm just to impress her. All that power wasted on the young. I should have told him to stop, but I loved his subjugation. The boy had swung two times, and on the third had just dropped about 15 feet onto the rocks in the stream. Braving it out, he had limped back to shore. Weird, my arms just gave out, he grimaced. Payback, thought Rachel as her arms gave way. In blind luck, her feet landed on tile rather than slippery feces. Her half-dead legs buckled and she fell hard to one side, her knees crunching in agony. With a will, she had no idea she possessed. Rachel grappled herself up, pulling at the blank shelves, always and forever the dead color halfway between brown and gray. She looked up. Outside, on the street, the pack of dogs had circled a heavily bundled figure, a man it looked like, who was trying to hold them at bay with a walking stick. Based on his movements, he looked to be in late middle age. Rachel could see a salt and pepper beer jutting out from under his hood. Still mostly using her arms, Rachel levered herself around the shelves. She slipped on more feces. My God, did these dogs crap everywhere? Reaching the front counter, her gaze still glued to the older man fighting for his life, Rachel knelt, almost crying out as her knees crunched again and grabbed at her backpack and phone. Glancing down, she stuffed as many of her scant possessions as she could find into her backpack, making especially sure to grab the kitchen knife. 
Her phone was low on power. She thumbed it open and turned off the flashlight. Rising, Rachel saw that the older man had been backed up to a fence, still swinging wildly as the dogs lunged at his legs. He kept screaming, Yah! as if the cry had some power to command the beasts to leave him in peace. Rachel stared, her eyes wide, as the crazed dogs began to leap directly at the man's bearded throat. Screaming wildly, he swung and punched. After kicking one dog backwards, head over heels, he whirled around and tried leaping over the fence. The dogs immediately jumped at his legs. Rachel cried out, then covered her mouth with her hand. The man screamed as the dogs latched onto his heels. The bulk of his body fell over the top of the fence, dragging two gripped dogs over with him. The remaining dogs tried leaping over the fence. The hysterical screaming continued. He can't die in vain, thought Rachel. Too terrified to try going out the front of the store, Rachel ran to the back, shouldering open the door with the employees-only sign. More shelves, empty, scattered boxes, a broken mop and bucket. Reaching down, Rachel grabbed the long mop handle, which had been broken into a pleasingly jagged end. Praying unabashedly, she slammed her hit into the horizontal bar that opened the heavy back door. It creaked open and she found herself in a small back parking lot with a garbage dumpster to the right and a motorcycle with one wheel missing lying to her left. Ahead was a row of tall wooden fences. Rachel realized that the old man's screaming had stopped. Her manic brain scanned wildly around, sizing everything up for survival. I have to get over that fence. Parkour boyfriend would have no problem with it. The barking of the dogs increased, but Rachel's humming ears could not pinpoint any location. Get over now! Lurching back inside, Rachel grabbed the bucket, running to the base of the tall fence line. She upended it on the ground. Racing back to the door, she turned and sprinted towards the fence, gritting her teeth at the pain in her knees. Dogs came pouring around the left side of the building. As she hurled her backpack over the fence, Rachel's right foot skidded on the top of the upended bucket. Reaching up with her fingers, her shoulders still in rusty agony, she gripped the zigzag top of the wood and hauled herself up. She felt ghastly vibrations in the fence as the dog's bodies thudded into it. Twisting over the top, Rachel mostly fell onto the bushes on the far side, the bare branches scratching her cheeks. Scrambling up, she saw a large overturned red toy car on her left and a well-maintained swing set to her right. Please don't let me find children's bodies. She begged the indifferent universe as she grabbed her backpack and sprinted up the back steps. And dear God, let this door be unlocked. The back latch did not move under her half-frozen fingers. I can't break the windows that will let the dogs in. The barking of the dogs began to spread around her like a viscous, invasive liquid. They're trying to find another way to get at me. Should I climb the drain pipe? Get to the second floor? What if those windows are locked as well? Smash things! Streamed a primal part of her brain. Rachel unzipped her backpack, put her hand inside, made a fist, and punched at the glass by the back lock. After three tries, it shattered. The barking was agonizingly close. With her other hand, Rachel reached in, scrambling to open the lock. 
She found the latch and twisted it as the manic barking seemed to come from inside her brain. Hauling open the door, she leapt in, spun, and slammed it shut, slowing the speed just before it hit the frame to make sure no other windows would break. Dogs came racing around the side of the house. A few of them had red mouths. Didn't they just eat? God damn you all! screamed Rachel, pulling at her hair. She sank against the white wall, her hands covering her ears as the dog's bodies thumped into the door. One thought ringing through her brain. Thank God my parents aren't here. 